The problem with birth control is that it's given to us without any knowledge about what it's actually doing inside our body. And we're told that it's doing things that it's not actually doing. We're told that it regulates our period, that it's getting rid of your acne, that it's going to get rid of the pain in your period. And while it might look like it's doing that, it's just putting a Band-Aid on it. It's Jillian, and this is my podcast all about nutrition, entrepreneurship, and motherhood. If you're ready, open, and dedicated to making daily habit changes that will help you have it all, then you're in the right place. Let's get started. Hello, hello to all my It's Jillian podcast listeners. I am so grateful to have you here where we talk about everything from nutrition to entrepreneurship to motherhood. And you know, I'm really excited to share with you guys a special promotion just because I love you so much. And that is to get one month free from my What's For Dinner Club membership. Just go to whatsfordinnerclub.com and use the special code podcast. In fact, in this episode that you're about to listen to with my friend Corinne, we talked about how making sure you're eating regular meals throughout the day can help with blood sugar management and supporting your hormones. So this is an easy peasy way to get something done and take one step forward to supporting your hormone health as well. As I mentioned in today's episode, I get to speak with my friend Corinne. She is a board certified holistic nutritionist who helps women regulate their periods, manage PCOS, transition off birth control and boost fertility by targeting the root cause of their imbalances and treating it naturally with nutrition and lifestyle shifts. There is so much information here. I think your mind is about to be blown. Not only is she one of my really good friends, but she is just so knowledgeable on hormones. And I think we were talking about how this is something that we're just not aware of as women and our bodies and they affect us so much. We go over what hormones are, things that can impact them negatively and positively, everything from nutrition and lifestyle choices. We talked about birth control just so you can make an informed decision on how it would affect your health and so, so much more, including how your hormones affect your cycles and productivity. So if you are a business mogul or super productive and you wanna make sure that you're being efficient with your time, different times of your cycle can actually affect ways that you should be doing your business, whether that is being brainstorming or connecting and networking or just having time to rest and reflect. So you will love this conversation with Corinne. She really is, again, such a wealth of knowledge. You can follow her on Instagram at Corinne Angelica. I love her Instagram page. She has great information and she's just really fun too. Check out her podcast, Mind Your Hormones, and let's welcome Corinne to the It's Chilling podcast. and welcome to the It's Jillian podcast. My guest is a good friend of mine today. We actually met in a mastermind group and have stayed close throughout this entire time. And she is just a wealth of knowledge. She is a holistic nutritionist and hormone expert. And I learned so much from her every time I talk to her. She also is a plant-based expert. She's digging more into that these days. So Corinne, I'm so excited to have you here. Yay, Jillian. I can't wait to chat and catch up and just do all the things. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So we were in, our mastermind was nine months long, right? And so I can't, I can't believe it's been how long since that ended, but we've always stayed in touch. It ended almost a year ago. That's insane to me. I feel like it just happened. <laughs> I know. I can't believe that. I was thinking about it the other day. I'm like, oh my God, our mastermind ended like almost a year ago already, which is crazy. Yeah, I know. But 
I feel like we've all of us in this group, there are about 12 of us have evolved so much, but still stay in touch and seeing how much different avenues we've taken and different courses and business things. And just personally too, you just got married. So congratulations at that. Thank you. So exciting, beautiful wedding. Oh, thank you. It was so much fun. It was, it, that too went like, it was so fast. I feel like it was so long ago, but then I also feel like it was yesterday. It's like one of those weird time things. Yes. What was your favorite part? your wedding if you had to pick one something stands oh, out God, it's so hard I really loved the like before the wedding part like I love the reception and stuff but I love the before the reception when just like getting ready with my friends and like taking pictures at the house and then we did like a first look thing so just like all taking pictures together I love like actually like spending time with the bridal party because it was small so it was just like close family I love that I love the ceremony too it was outside it was gorgeous like I loved that part it was amazing I would say for me, my first look was my favorite part too. Like I loved doing that. And just, it was so nice to have just like time with Eric and myself before it was like the first time we saw each other walking down the aisle, which I'm sure that is so special too, but it was great to be able to like talk to each other rather than being like, okay, jumping right into the whole, we did it in a church too. So like, you know, there's a little more rules and stuff. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. But I'm so glad that you had such a, it was such a beautiful wedding. I love seeing all your pictures and everything. Thank so. you. I can't wait to see the professional ones come in. I'm like, yay, taking forever. So I know it always takes longer than you'd want. So, okay. So let's start off. I, I mentioned that you're a holistic nutritionist, you're a hormone expert. Tell us a little bit of your background and why you even got interested in this stuff. I know that you had some of your own personal challenges that really opened your eyes to this and made you want to help other women that are in the same area. So tell us a little bit about your background. Yeah. So I actually was a teacher for nine years. I taught Spanish and ENL, mostly at the high school setting. I pretty much taught every grade throughout the years, but that was what I originally was doing. But I kind of always knew I was going to leave teaching at some point. Like, I don't know, I just had a gut feeling that it definitely was not going to be my forever thing. I just kind of didn't know what else to do. I liked it for a portion of time, but not really. And then I really got into the nutrition side of everything when I, like you said, was experiencing a lot of issues. So I had an irregular period since the day I got my period, like literally always, always regular. I didn't get it till I was like 15 and a half. And then I would get it like maybe three times a year, every six weeks, every three months. Like it was so random. And my gynecologist told me that it was normal to have about three to four periods a year. So I was like, which spoiler alert, it's 100% not normal. <laughs> just you just see my face, my facial reaction <laughs> to that. <What>? Yeah. <laughs> and I was young, so I didn't know. I was just like, okay, like, cool. That's great. I'm getting like three to four years, so like nothing to worry about. And I honestly didn't think it was a big health issue because I wasn't in, I was young. I was like young twenties, even before that. And I wasn't interested in getting pregnant. So I didn't think it was a big issue. And then I started experiencing a lot of other things. Like I had monthly migraines. I was really bloated and constipated. I got diagnosed with IBS. I started just like really feeling inflamed and like gaining weight for no reason. I had facial hair growth. I was just like, it was all over the map. And when those types of things started to come out, that's when I started digging deeper into things. And I went to doctors. Everyone said everything was normal. Blood work was normal. MRI was normal with my brain. Like everything was normal, but I didn't feel normal. So I started researching nutrition stuff. I started making changes on my own and saw insane results and changes in everything that I was just talking about. And I, I just like couldn't believe how much everything changed from just simply changing what I was eating. So that's when I went back to school for holistic nutrition while I was teaching, got my certification, did all of that thing. It was like a two-year program, then started running my business, like really not getting into it till COVID happened because that's when I had a lot of time. 
that's when I was like, oh my God, I'm obsessed. Like I'm leaving teaching, left in August of 2020. And here we are. Oh my gosh, such a journey. I can't believe you just started that recently. I don't know why I just like assumed that you've been doing this for so long. I mean, I knew your teacher background, but. Yeah, I started like technically started in like 2019. I had like one client here, one client there. I had like a website and business cards. Like that's like what you think you actually need to do when you first get started. I still have those business cards. I like used them like five times, but I didn't really get into it till like the start of 2020. So going through all that with yourself and deciding that you want to do it yourself, like what made you realize that you wanted to do this to help other women? Like where was that turning point where you're like, okay, like this isn't just to help me. Like I need to help other women because I think a lot of people struggle with exactly what you said, where they go, get all the tests, do all the things. And everyone says you're normal, but you're like, I don't feel good. I don't think that I realized I wanted to help other people do that until I was really like in my schooling. Like I really went back to school to learn for myself more about nutrition. And I knew I was obsessed with it. So once I started diving into it, I knew that I wanted to do something with nutrition in the future. But at that point, I didn't know my focus was going to be on hormone stuff until like the end, we had to like niche down, whatever. And I was like, this is like really what I want to do because I was seeing too, so often a lot of friends or my sister's older. So a lot of her friends, like either really struggling to get pregnant or not being able to get pregnant or miscarrying a lot and and all these things that I kept seeing and nobody was talking about it. And even when I was looking for stuff online, it wasn't that big on social media at the time. Now, a lot more people are talking about hormones, which is amazing, but it wasn't that big of a thing at the time. And I'm just like, I thought that I was the only person on the planet that had only three to four periods a year. I thought I was the only one that had like facial hair growth. I thought I was the only one that was going through all these things because none of my friends were experiencing it. We didn't really talk about it either. And I just wanted to really start sharing that this isn't normal, first of all, because we think these things are normal and that you're not alone doing it. And just because I really learned the importance of hormone health, whether you want to get pregnant or not. And I was just like, we're not taught this stuff in school. And I think it's so important that we know it. Yeah. I, you know, it's so funny because I even remember being around you and there was like this taboo about talking about periods. Like for me growing up, not that like it was ever shamed upon. I just don't think like we really talked about it. So like even saying like you're bleeding, like that phrase for me was like, Ooh, like that sounds weird to say, you know, like it just felt so like, I don't know, cliche. Like, I don't know if should we say that. So, but I feel like you said, it's been a real transformation in the last couple of years where you're seeing people like talk about and realizing, oh my gosh, a lot of us do have a lot of similar issues. And if we don't talk about it, then we're all like just lost in this, where if we can work together and find solutions, that's really where the key is. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. We would like hide tampons up our sleeve to go to the bathroom. It was always like a secret. We had like a code word in high school. Like, oh, if you have your period, we would have to like say a different thing. Like why? It's a normal thing that we experience. Like wouldn't your like worst nightmare be like your tampon fell out of your sleeve and like the voice. Oh my God. Or like leaking or something like, you know, it was just always like Oh, oh yeah, such, such I totally have like a uh, memory of, and I don't think I'm like really, I was, I was so embarrassed by it, but I remember we were at a field trip and like I had just I've learned how to, like I just started my period a couple of months ago. So like I knew what, it, like I had gone through it a couple of times, a couple of months, but 
And I remember like it was heavier than I've ever had. And I remember having to put my sweatshirt around my waist and like just pretend like I was really sick to go home, but like not wanting to tell my teachers really what was happening. It was so embarrassing, but like, it was just, yeah, it was really like, you wouldn't tell your friends about it and stuff. So, and it's just funny how like these days we, as women, the hormones affect us so much and we just don't know that much about it. Like, I feel like I'm still learning a lot of this stuff. So let's start off with like hormone one. 101 for all of us newbies here. Just like what are hormones? How do they affect our body? Like, where would you start off just trying to explain them to someone that's maybe not as brushed up on it? Yeah. So sometimes we just think that hormones affect our reproductive health, like our period, getting pregnant, things like that. That's what I always thought. But they're actually connected to everything in our body because essentially what they are are chemical messengers that travel through our bloodstream and they go to every organ, tissue, everything, anywhere blood is flowing, your hormones are flowing. So they are connected to everything. They are connected to our stress response, to our sleep and wake cycle, our circadian rhythm. Our gut has to do with our hormones. They work on our liver. Like they're literally everywhere. Our moods, our skin, our hormones can affect literally every single aspect aspect of your health, your hormones are connected to, which is why a lot of people might not even know they have hormone imbalances. If they're experiencing things like I did, I had no idea my migraines were connected to my hormones. I didn't know that my digestion and bloating and constipation was connected to that. Like you could be experiencing these things like acne, mood swings, all, all mood swings. Sometimes we connect to it because it's like PMS symptoms, but it affects everything. The reason why so many people experience hormone imbalances now is because we were never educated on what the things are that actually sabotage our hormones. And the modern way that we're living right now, especially, you know, women who a lot of times now we're go-getters, we're, you know, we're going after our careers, we're doing things like back in the day, it wasn't as much like that. It was kind of like you go to school, you get married, you have a kid, like that's really it. But the added stress of managing a business, a career, maybe while you're married or having just a life, whatever, all these stressors, plus the toxins that we're coming in contact with every day now, all of these things negatively impact our hormones, which is what's happening. Plus like the food supply is so different than it used to be. We're just bombarded with so many things that we used to not be like decades ago. And these things are sabotaging our hormones. And so are the things that we're told are good to do, like huge intermittent fasts and skipping breakfast and working out on an empty stomach after you didn't get any sleep. All these things that are shown to help us like lose weight and do all these things are actually sabotaging us, but we don't know it. And we don't know that it's causing all these problems. So I don't even remember where the start of this question was. Or <laughs> no, I just learned so much from that. Like, honestly, a lot of those things I didn't realize I you know, you know, stress, stress is something, but I didn't really put it down to like things like the intermittent fasting, the stress on your body, the not having breakfast. Well, I'm a breakfast person. So don't worry about me there. I will definitely be eating breakfast. But like I, those are big things where you're right. Like those are kind of touted as being like a healthy, cool lifestyle habit. But if they are like really hurting you in the long run, like that's not going to help you. What would you say? So you mentioned that you went to the doctor and had like blood drawn and they said everything looked good. Do they typically look at hormones or do you feel like they don't look at that? How do you, so, you know, how did you go to the doctor and like, oh, everything looks good, but then actually everything wasn't good. Were they just not looking at the right stuff when they draw, draw your blood or? 
Good question. So it's kind of a mix of both. So they were looking at some hormones because I was going specifically to see if something was off because I wasn't getting a period and I was experiencing facial hair growth. So I thought I had PCOS, which I do have PCOS. By the way, all those symptoms I had were linked back to me not being properly diagnosed with PCOS and not healing the root cause. So that's kind of how it came out. But when the blood work came back, they said that everything was normal. The the numbers weren't out of range enough to constitute me as having PCOS. They also said I didn't have enough cysts on my ovaries to be diagnosed with that, but that's also bullshit because you don't even have to have cysts on your ovaries to have PCOS. You just have to have two out of three criteria for it. But anyway, the problem with blood work is that Yes, they will test for hormones, especially if you're going for something that might be related to it, but they don't test for enough of the hormones that we really need to see. That's one issue. The second issue is the timing of it. It's really important to test specific hormones at specific times. So for progesterone levels, which is a hormone that our body creates from ovulating and you need it to hold on to a nourish your pregnancy, you need it for your stress response, your bones, your metabolism, your thyroid, like all the things that's only created after ovulation. So if you're just testing for that at any day of the week, you have to test a specific time when that progesterone would possibly be present. Same thing with estrogen as a specific time of the month. So if they're testing it just whenever, like, oh, come in whenever you want, it's not gonna be accurate. And on top of that, The third issue with it is the normal ranges are not optimal ranges. So the normal ranges are just the average of all the people that are getting blood work done. But in America, if you're listening to this in America, newsflash, we have a sick country. They're unhealthy. They're sick. Like it's not like the optimally healthy people are all getting these levels tested. So it'll say things are in range when actually they're not because the ranges that they give you are so wide that you miss things. And if they just go tick down and don't see any red flags, they're like, oh, everything is normal. But if you go to a naturopath or functional medicine doctor, like they'll look at it and be like, no, like these are not optimal ranges. So things are off. So there's a lot of issues with it. So it sounds like going to the right doctor or physician is really, really key in these areas because otherwise, again, they can just check boxes and be like, nope, it looks good. But if they don't really, if it isn't their specialty, which is also something like going to someone that really knows this, then they may not have the right advice for you. Yeah. And also like we can't be boiled down to numbers sometimes. Like if you're going to the doctor and even, you know, who will, whatever it is, maybe they are a specialist in this and they're saying it's all normal, but you don't feel right in your body. You have to trust your body and know that there is something going on. So that's why I don't put so much weight on blood work because there's so many other factors that go into it. So I just look at my clients, see what's actually going on with them and heal it from the root just based off their symptoms. Obviously, blood work is important. I do you know, recommend getting it, but it's just, we can't be boiled down to numbers all the time. Yeah, no, that makes a ton of sense. I feel like that's like health rule 101 <laughs> for any anything that's not just the numbers. You mentioned earlier, so for PCOS, it's just two of the three things. I know a lot of women are struggling with that. What I'm just curious, what are the two of the, what are the three things and what are the different, maybe symptoms or things that people could notice to see if, They go to a doctor and they're like, no, you're fine. And you're like, I need to go see someone else. (laughs) Yes, yes. Okay, so PCOS is polycystic ovarian syndrome. And there's a couple different types of criteria, but the Rotterdam criteria is the one that I'm talking about. That's one of the most like well-known and researched and stuff. You have to have two out of three criteria. The criteria is number one, an irregular period or an ovulatory cycle. So which means that you are not regularly ovulating. And the only way to know that you're ovulating is by actually tracking it using like your physical signs of ovulation 
ovulation, your basal body temperature, your cervical mucus, because some people will just be like, oh, I, I'm bleeding. So that must mean that I ovulated. But bleeding is not a sign of ovulation. You could just bleed because you produce enough estrogen in that cycle. And now the uterine lining has to, has to shed. So an irregular period slash anovulatory cycle is one. The second criteria is high androgen levels on a blood test, which androgen levels are male hormones. So that could be testosterone or DHEA. Those high levels can also look like symptomatically facial hair growth, cystic acne, whether it's on your face, your back, hair around your nipples, down your stomach, back hair, things like that. Your hair on your head thinning, your eyebrows thinning. Those are some symptoms of high testosterone levels. So that's the second criteria. But again, my testosterone levels were high, but not high enough is what they said. So again, you have to you know be careful with that, but those are the symptoms that you could be experiencing. And the third criteria is the cysts on the ovaries. So you just have to have two out of those three. You don't need to have all three. So if you're going and your doctor's like, oh, but you don't have cysts on your ovaries, so you're good, then that's not accurate. There actually, there's a lot of people in the like PCOS space who are trying to change the name of it because it makes, it's misleading. It makes you so think you have that- have the cysts in order to- Exactly. It. And it's really a metabolic disorder. So it should be named something- about that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's good to know. I never knew that. Okay. So let's talk specifically about nutrition since that's a love of yours and mine and how that affects your hormones. I know this is your specialty. So what are some things that you think can negatively affect your hormones based on what people are eating? And then maybe some positive things too. Amazing. So just at a basic level, like kind of what we were talking about before, skipping meals before we get into like specific foods is such a huge thing that affects your hormones because it negatively impacts your blood sugar. And our blood sugar is one of the things that if you have any type of hormone issue, stabilizing your blood sugar is going to help it no matter what. That's like the first thing that we have to focus on. And so many people go through life with dysregulated blood sugar because of these things like skipping meals or having coffee on an empty stomach or having meals that aren't paired properly. Like if you just have like, I don't know, a bagel without any maybe like protein or healthy fat with it, things like that really negatively impact us. So number one, I would say is focusing on having like three solid meals a day with like a snack in between, like not skipping meals, which is really hard for some people, because especially if their mindset is like, oh, I want to lose weight. So I'm just going to skip a meal or they don't have time to eat, things like that. It's actually going to impact you worse if you are trying to maintain a healthy weight you're not going to be able to maintain a healthy weight if you have blood sugar dysregulation or insulin resistance. And by you skipping meals, you're just further dysregulating it. So it's just going to be this battle. Skipping meals is a huge one food wise. I feel like when I like my attitude, my energy for the day gets so messed up when I like am not on my routine. Cause I'm someone that's like breakfast, mid, like literally like at 10 AM, like my body is like, I'm hungry. Like I will look at the clock and it's literally like 10 o'clock and it's like time for my snack. Like I'm such like on a routine. And if I ever have something in my day that throws it off, like for example, if I'm like in a studio recording videos or something and I like miss my, or like my late is my lunch is later than normal. I like, usually I'm just like not hungry because you're so busy, but then it like comes back with vengeance and like, you feel bad, you're starving. Like you don't want to choose a healthy food because <laughs> you're so hungry. So I feel like it throws you off. Yes. And that's because your blood sugar dip. That's exactly what happens. 
And, you know, shameless plug, an easy way to make sure you get your dinner and your lunch is the what's for dinner club people. So that, and honestly, that's what my, that's helped me so much because it helps me plan out having dinners, but then I love to have the leftovers for lunch a lot so that it's like a hearty meal instead of like, you know, throwing something together and it's really not balanced and it's not enough calories. And then like, you're still kind of, like you said, you're still not like really feeling your body enough. Oh yes. Get on that what's for dinner club guys. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So we talked about not skipping meals. What else? What are some other things that can negatively affect your hormones? Yeah. So not skipping meals for sure. Having caffeine on an empty stomach. This is huge because I know maybe a lot of people that follow you or maybe moms or, you know, just again, in general, we live in a society where the first thing you do, you wake up, you have coffee. And if you're someone who is experiencing hormone imbalances, this is like one of the easiest swaps you could do. You don't even have to totally get rid of caffeine. I would recommend in your luteal phase, like the 10 to 14 days before your period, if you do experience a lot of PMS symptoms, you have hormone imbalance symptoms, I would really kind of steer clear of caffeine in those 10 to 14 days before your period. But before you even do that, just swap the order of having your breakfast first to stabilize your blood sugar. Because the first thing that you put in your body during the day is going to either make or break and set the tone for your blood sugar for the day. So having that breakfast first is really going to help stabilize things out. And then you can have your coffee or caffeine or whatever. This is a hard swap for some people because you're so used to it. I'm a coffee first thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So like, many people for are. Me, like when I wake up, it's like my little space of time before anyone wakes up and just having my cup of coffee while I do like my book or journal is like part of the the routine where yeah it's a ritual at this point but also I do notice that again I'm a very like regimented breakfast type person but I like get hungry I'm sure it, like I it probably has that effect on me and I like I'm like okay I'm hungry like I need to eat something so I'm curious I'll, I'll swap it and see just how I feel and how what the difference is yeah just try it out and what you could do instead is have like even a cup of herbal tea instead of the coffee to just like swap it with something. Or I like having warm water with lemon squeezed in it, which is really helpful for your hormones. So because it really is a ritual type of thing. So you can just swap it for something like that. There's also really good coffee alternatives too. Like for some people who just like, I'm just really not good with caffeine, but they have like dandy tea and that four sigmatic one that's like, doesn't actually have the caffeine. It's just the taste. So anyway, but that's a really easy thing that you could do is swapping. First of all, having breakfast, number one, within 90 minutes of waking up is really, really important to stabilize that blood sugar, not skipping meals and just swapping the order and having your caffeine after your breakfast is going to be so supportive for you. And then I would also say adding in a lot more fiber to your diet as well, which I know you talk about your veggies and stuff too. You've got all that on lock. It's so important for your hormones. And the reason why is because a lot of people experience excess estrogen in relation to their progesterone levels. So estrogen, if you have too much estrogen, you will experience symptoms of which most a lot of people do who have these imbalances, like PMS symptoms, the moodiness, bloating before your period, heavy periods, painful periods, long stretches of like your period is longer than seven days. You could experience acne, migraines, things like that. If you have those symptoms and you have excess estrogen, it's really important to make sure that you're getting enough fiber in your diet to help grab onto those excess hormones and eliminate them out of the body through your poop, because that's what our gut does. Our gut 
helps, obviously it absorbs nutrients, which is essential for producing certain hormones, but it also is where we eliminate excess hormones out of our body. So if we don't have enough fiber to do that, the estrogen is just going to recirculate back into our body, causing this high estrogen in relation to progesterone levels. So adding in more plant foods, you could focus on literally just adding in a salad before every single meal. You could just add in more beans. That's a Beans are an amazing food for your hormones because it's a source of soluble fiber. So it really acts like a net and it mops up any metabolic waste, any toxins, any excess hormones, anything like that. So it's such an easy thing. You, If you're used to putting like, even like chicken on a salad or something, swap it out for some beans or just add beans onto it on top of that. Like it's really, really supportive to do that. So I would say focusing on adding in more vegetables like dark leafy greens, beans, and like just starting a meal with a salad is such an easy way to get some of that in. I love that. Okay. And then what are some things that are negatively affecting our hormones? We talked about caffeine. What about alcohol? I'm, I mean, I'm sure there's something there, but as after nine months of nothing, all I'm like yeah. I'm looking forward to is a glass of wine at this point. But what is the effect of alcohol on our hormones? Yes. So there is something there. And obviously things affect everybody differently and to different degrees, depending on their hormone imbalances there. You know, if you have PCOS, it's going to affect you way more than if you don't, things like that. So it all obviously always depends, but yes, alcohol actually does increase your estrogen levels. I believe it was Dr. Jolene Brighton who in her book, Beyond the Pill, I think this is where this came from. So I just want to cite it properly. She was saying how even one glass of alcohol can increase your estrogen levels by about 10% just by one drink. So if you are someone who is already experiencing those symptoms that I was talking about, painful periods, heavy periods, PMS, acne, migraines, all of that, drinking is going to just increase that imbalance even more. So that's one issue with it. The second is, of course, it puts a burden on your liver, right? We all kind of know that. That's like the only thing we kind of know about alcohol is it impacts our liver. And our liver is tightly connected to our hormones because our liver is what processes and metabolizes our excess hormones. It also processes and metabolizes our any medications you may be taking, toxins, metabolic waste, anything that's coming into our body that isn't meant to be there, our liver processes and metabolizes it, it moves it onto the gut. And then the gut is what gets it out of the body. So if we're putting a burden on our liver, your liver is going to process and metabolize whatever's more life-threatening first. So alcohol to our body is more life-threatening than excess hormones, right? So it's just, it's just putting more of a burden on it. So our liver is a workhorse and it does like, you know, regenerate and clean itself out, but it's just negatively impacting it. And people who have PCOS, for some reason, we just don't have livers that work as efficiently as other people. So it's even more important for people who do have PCOS to be more conscious of your alcohol consumption because it is just going to affect you more than other people. Unfortunately, just is what it is. So that's the other thing. And then the third Third thing is that it does dysregulate your blood sugar, um, which we kind of just alluded to how it's really, it could just cause a spike in your blood sugar, obviously depending on the alcohol, but it's going to further that dysregulated blood sugar. So the easy thing that I talk about my clients, because it's obviously not realistic to think that everyone's just going to stop drinking for forever, is just doing it with more intention and in a smart way where you're not drinking on an empty stomach. That's one way to help support your blood sugar. So if you know you're about to go out to dinner and the first thing you're going to do is order a glass of wine, 
on your way to dinner, have some veggie sticks or something, have some form of fiber in your stomach and that will stay in your system for like an hour. So even if it's like before you leave for dinner, you just like munch on something before you go, nothing that make you full, whatever, just to have that before you start drinking is going to support you and at least not totally mess up your blood sugar dysregulation. It's not going to stop the fact that it of course affects your liver and your estrogen levels, but at least you could do something to help support you. And then being more conscious about the amount that you consume those 10 to 14 days before your period. So those are just like things to start being conscious of. I like that. I used to, um, again, I haven't really been imbibing in happy hour lately, but I used to call a roadie and I would make like half of like a smaller version of like a meal replacement shake to have and have on the way to dinner just because, and also like, I just, it helped me so much just to make better choices too. So you're not getting, again, getting there starving and like eating all of the appetizer before you even have your dinner and again, all that stuff. But I just had a picture of me taking like a little baggie of celery and like dipping it in my wine and taking it back. <laughs> So that's what whatever works. <laughs> but I mean, you have to, I actually love, you know, I was uh, love talking about habit stacking. So the drive to dinner is such a great way. Like John, your drive, have your little like fiber filled snack. So I love that. It's a great little bring little baby carrots with you. Like ooh, literally could be something so simple. Okay. I can't wait for everyone to tag us in pictures, eating their baby <laughs> carrots on their way to happy hour. <laughs> I'll be so happy uh, to see that. Yes. Okay. So let's talk a little bit more about periods and cycles. And I think there's some questions that I feel like I see a a lot. And again, maybe ones that people are a little less comfortable asking. Obviously, you're like, this is your world. So you know it. So something that I hear a lot is just preventing heavy periods, because not only can that be really uncomfortable, like it can be embarrassing too, in a lot of ways, or just like really difficult to like manage around your day or trips or things like that. So if someone's experiencing overly heavily periods that are like affecting their lives, what are some things they should know about it or any tips you have for them? Yeah. So the thing that I really want to get across is that any symptom that you're experiencing like that is always your body's way of communicating with you. So that's how our body communicates with us. And our cycle, our menstrual cycle, like not just the bleeding portion of it, our period, but every single phase of our cycle, because we have four phases and that's because our hormones fluctuate throughout the month. All of that is our fifth vital sign, which means that it's just as important as the other four vital signs, which are your blood pressure, your breathing rate, your heart rate, and your body temperature. So just like if you have a fever, you know something's off. If your blood pressure is high, you know something's off. There's something wrong internally that needs to be addressed. Same thing with if your period is irregular, super heavy, painful, anything like that. It's not normal. We've demonized these things as normal. And I used to think the same thing. I'm just like, oh, it's just like my period is just irregular because that's just how my period is. Or people just be like, I've always had a painful period. It's just normal for me, but it's not actually normal. So if you are experiencing something like that and heavy periods, like you're talking about, there's a root cause that is causing these symptoms to happen. And you might also have with that, these other things like PMS or maybe acne, migraines. A lot of times those are some things that go connected with it. So the most important thing is to address the root cause. And most of the time this is coming from excess estrogen and excess estrogen can come from inflammation or blood sugar dysregulation a lot of the time, which we talked a lot about. So if you are experiencing heavy periods, the things that we talked about in the beginning are probably the things I would start with is starting with your morning, making sure you're having breakfast within 90 minutes of waking up and having it include a protein, a fiber and a healthy fat. That's so, so, so important for your blood sugar dysregulation. So that's going to really help with the heavy periods and with the inflammation and with the dysregulated blood sugar and lowering those estrogen levels. So that's number one. The fiber that we talked about also would help support you in this because the excess estrogen, again, could be coming because it's recirculating back into your 
your body. So I would say making sure that you're increasing your plant foods as much as possible is going to really help you with that. And then the other thing that's not nutrition related, but that will help support you in this. I mean, there's so many things that are going through my head right now, like stress is another one. But the the one that just came to mind that I'm going to say is looking at the products that you're using, your household cleaning products and your beauty products, because a lot of times if they are not specifically like non-toxic ones or just like the conventional ones that we've all grown up with and used for forever, they are loaded with chemicals and toxins that when they come into our body, they do alter our hormone levels because they can block and destroy some of our hormone receptors. They put a burden on our liver, which means our liver won't be able to process that excess estrogen. So really looking at how you can start swapping things out when you run out of something, go to, I would encourage you to go to ewg.org slash skin deep. And that's where you can check the toxicity level of the current products they're using. Maybe they're fine, which is amazing. If not, when you run out of it, swap it out for something else. And this is huge for our endocrine system. And it's something that maybe people don't put as big of a focus on, but it's really, really, really supportive if you do have heavy periods like that. So focusing on your protein fiber and healthy fat-rich breakfast within 90 minutes of waking up, having your coffee after breakfast, adding in more fiber and focusing on products is probably where I would start. Are there some favorite brands of products that you really like? Yeah. Okay. So skincare wise, I'm obsessed with Skin Essence Organics. I've been using them for years. I absolutely love them. They're organic. They're all used with plant oils. They're so amazing. That's for like your like face wash, moisturizer, stuff like that. Obsessed with them. You could use code Corinne if you want to get a discount for that. Yeah, do it. I love them. For household cleaning products, I love Branch Basics. Don't have any kind of code for you for that, but I love Branch Basics. They're incredible. I've tried so many and some of them just like don't work good. Yeah, that's what I'm always worried about. I'm like, yeah, actually work though. (laughs) Yeah, Branch Basics, I absolutely love. Really, really love that. I was on a search for a deodorant because, you know, you don't want to smell. Okay, Native is one that you like and they have that just like at Target and stuff now. I will be totally honest. I tried Native, didn't work for me, but I found another one. Have you ever heard or tried Hume? H-U-M-E. No, I haven't. I was going to say some people don't like native, but it works for me. But okay, Hume, I have to try that one. Uh, the only place I've seen it is online. So you just have to order it online. I know like it's so convenient, like at Target when you're there to just grab like a thing of native. But yeah, I love it. It really works. And I mean, I'm real sweaty these days, guys, almost nine months pregnant. And I tried it and then I was like, oh, I'm just going to do like this native one at Target. And I guess people love it, but it just didn't work for me. So then I went back to human. Yeah. The thing with deodorant is like everyone has obviously different hormone levels, Mm -hmm. the amount that we're produced. So it's not going to work for some people. So I'll, I'll look into that one too. And then makeup brands. I really like Beauty Counter also. They are an awesome company. So those are the three brands that came off the top of my head. I love it. Okay. What another question and thing that I see a lot around periods and cycles is birth control. Okay. Let's break this down a little bit because How much time do we I have? don't know. I know <laughs> it's a really hard one because for me personally, like, you know, there's this, I wanted to be on birth control because I wanted to protect myself and I wanted to have that control over it. And you know that I'm a controlling person. So there's probably an inkling to that whole thing there. But I also have had lots of conversations with you understanding how it really affects your body. And luckily I'm at a point now in my life where I have a family and support. So like if something ever happened and I got pregnant and wasn't planned, which is not going to be the case after this baby. We are done and we are going to make sure of that. (laughs) But just, I know we don't have time to go all into it, but just thoughts when someone says like, I'm on birth control, like, should I be on it? Should I not be on it? How is it affecting me? Yeah. Okay. I love this question. So 
I'm just going to start off by saying, obviously, I believe in having the right to birth control. Like we need to have access to that. And it's obviously always your choice. And I believe we should have the choice. But I also believe we should have informed consent about it. And the problem with birth control is that it's given to us without any knowledge about what it's actually doing inside our body. And we're told that it's doing things that it's not actually doing. We're told that it regulates our period, that it's getting rid of your acne, that it's going to get rid of the pain in your period. And while it might look like it's doing that, it's just putting a bandaid on it because of the synthetic hormones that's in our body. So when you stop hormonal birth control, these things can come rushing back. You actually don't, it, specifically the birth control pill and NuvaRing and the implant, you're actually not even ovulating when you're on hormonal birth control. It turns off the communication from your brain to your ovaries. So that's why you can't get pregnant. Aside from the fact that it also depletes you of cervical mucus and sperm can't survive unless cervical mucus is present. So, and it really thins your lining. So that's also why you can't get pregnant. But the ovulation piece is obviously the other piece to it. So it looks like you're getting your period because you're bleeding every month, but that's really just a withdrawal bleed from the synthetic hormones. And they actually put that in as a marketing ploy because at first back, I don't remember the, the year that they brought out birth control. But at first it was just, you take the pills, you just didn't bleed. And the women were freaking out and they were like, oh my God, what's going on? Am I pregnant? Like I'm not bleeding. So they put these sugar pills in to have a withdrawal bleed from the medication to make you think that you're getting your period, but you're not not actually getting your period. So that's just really something that we should be conscious of, especially because doctors will tell us to like stay on birth control until you are ready to get pregnant. But that's really not supportive advice, especially if you went on it for a hormone imbalance, because now when you come off of it, and you want to get pregnant right away, you might not be able to because you didn't know that it was turning off your ovulation. Now your body has to figure out how to do all that again. On top of it, it depletes you of nutrients. It negatively impacts your liver and your thyroid. Like there's so many negative aspects to it. It causes, it can cause anxiety and depression in some people. So the thing that I really want to say about birth control is just knowing what it's actually doing in your body so you can make an informed decision about yourself and about and just be aware of things that it can cause so you can keep your eye out for it. Like, oh, I have been experiencing a lot of depression. I didn't know what it was for. My doctor said it wasn't connected to the birth control pill at all. And they just gave me an antidepressant. So many of my clients have come to me with that. So I would say that about it. And then the other thing is that we, a lot of people who aren't on it for hormone reasons, they're just on it for contraceptive reasons, kind of like what you were talking about. We always thought that we can get pregnant literally whenever. Like, oh, I could just get pregnant any time of the month, but you can actually only get pregnant five to six days out of the month. And that's where learning about your fertile window is really, really important and knowing when you're fertile versus when you're not, because it's impossible to get pregnant outside of that time. So there's so many things that you could just have body literacy about and learn about how you can properly track this. If you're someone who really doesn't want to go on hormonal birth control, but you also really don't want to get pregnant right now, knowing that information is so helpful because you don't have to worry all the time. Like, oh my God, I'm going to get, I'm going to get pregnant. You obviously have to work with someone and really like know how to do this because the last thing I want is for you to just like willy nilly doing it and then get pregnant when you don't want to. So you have to get educated in it. It does take more work than just taking a pill every day, but it just depends on what are you willing to give up? What are you willing to do for that? Yeah. And I think that's probably goes back to what we were talking about. It was like, even as women, uh, we are so uneducated about our own bodies. And that's honestly probably where I like my first time I ever like really learned what you even do to like track your fertility window and stuff was when I had to do natural family planning for our marriage to get married in the Catholic church. And there was so, and I was actually on birth control. So I was like, none of this is working for me. And they're like, 
there was some judgment there, but that's okay. But I think a lot of times it was because, I mean, I would just, I was un, uninformed, just like you said. So then you can, if you get informed, you can make the choices best for you, which I think is so important, but it's so interesting how we're so uneducated on like our own bodies and how they work. And I'm like totally raising my hand, like someone that is not educated in it, but learning a lot. I mean, learning so much more now these days, I feel like. Yeah. And I didn't know this. So like my late twenties, mid to late twenties. And when I started learning all of this, like, how would we know about it? Like literally no one tells you. Well, you know, the crazy thing is like when you like first start your period, I mean, you kids are young. Like it's like, they're yeah. super young. So to like exactly. really figure all this stuff out can be really challenging. So I don't even know if there's like a great solution with that other than just like having a more open conversation as women and with our daughters and stuff and like with our nieces and stuff so that that they are more informed on this stuff. But yeah, I feel like it's just, you know, from that age, if I'm thinking of like when I first started my period, like I would be like, what are you talking about? Like, so yeah, yeah. It's like, you know, sharing the information in bits of just like, at least when they first get their period, let them know that like, it's not a gross thing. It's a normal, it's like a healthy, it's, it's something that's letting you know that your body is healthy. If you're not getting your period, if it's not regular, if it's all over the map, if it's painful, there's, that's a sign that there's something else going on. So like making it more of a acceptable thing and just letting them know like what's normal, what's not. And then when you're ready to have the sex conversation, you could do that stuff. But it's just so detrimental that we think we can get pregnant anytime. And I think that we're taught that for fear. So like we don't have sex when we're young. But when we go through our whole life thinking that, and then we actually try to get pregnant and we're like, why isn't this working? Why is it taking so long? It's probably because, well, obviously there's so many things that go into it, but it could also be that you're just missing the window and you don't even know when it is. Exactly. And it's different for everybody. So that's also like, it's like, yeah, it's not the same thing that happened for your sister-in-law. It's not the same for you as far as like when she, how she got pregnant. So I think having these conversations like you're doing is really the first step. And I'm just thinking of my two girls of like when they get to this age, I actually was listening to the story and it was this girl, her mom was like, super feminine feminist. She actually taught like women's history at like college and stuff. So maybe one end of the spectrum, a little more extreme, but she like threw like a party with like her aunts and her cousins when she started her period. I don't know if I'm going to do that for my girls, but I was like, that like she wanted to celebrate her like becoming a woman. And I was like, again, I don't think there was like any like hard feelings. Like, but I remember when I got my period, my mom like showed me like how to use pads and tampons. And then that was kind of it. Like there wasn't really like much around that. So I'm like, Oh, what can I do to like make, you know, to be a changing force in this going forward with my girls. So that's, that's the goal here. Okay. Lastly, I think I want to end on, cause I just love this topic. So I got so much out of it when you talked to our master class group about it. And that was talking about cycles and being productive as an entrepreneur, because I mean, I love efficiency here. So I know there's, there's these four phases of our cycle that you mentioned before. Can you just briefly talk about each one and really what is most productive for us in that phase, whether that is resting, getting creative, making connections, networking, all that type of stuff. So I just thought it was so fascinating. I've never heard this before. Yeah. Oh, it's like one of my favorite topics. I actually have to start talking about it again more because I have kind of got away from it, but I love it. Okay. So briefly four phases of our cycle. I'll go through what they are and then I'll talk about how you can be more productive in each one. So just like there are four seasons, we have four phases to our cycle. And the reason why we have four phases is because our hormones are fluctuating throughout the month. Men fluctuate their hormones in a 24-hour cycle from morning to night. Hours fluctuate on a however long your cycle is, whether it's a 28-day cycle, 35-day cycle, a normal cycle, meaning the day you start bleeding 
until the day before you start bleeding again. A normal cycle will be anywhere from 21 to 35 days. I personally prefer my clients to be in the 25 to 35 day range, but anyway, that's what a normal cycle is. So day one of your period is when you start your menstrual phase. And when I was growing up, I thought that that was it. I didn't know there was anything else happening. I thought you just get your period and you move on. So that's your menstrual phase. And that can last anywhere from like three to seven days. And this is when your hormones are at their absolute lowest levels. So this is a really good time to go inward because your energy is going to be a bit lower just because your hormone levels are lower because you are menstruating. So this is, if you think about it within seasons, this is kind of like winter. So if you were talking about a productivity standpoint, this is a really great time to not be super outwardly productive. It's more of an inward type of job during your cycle because you're releasing so much. It's a really good time to look at your mindset. Mindset with business, obviously, as you know, is so important. So looking at what you can let go of, what you can release, taking time to process, taking time to journal, you're super intuitive during this time because our hormones have an effect on our brain because they're at lower levels. The left and right hemispheres of your brain are able to communicate more effectively during this time. So you're able to be more intuitive about what you actually want to do moving forward while also having the analytical side of your brain being like, and this is how you do it. So a lot of times as entrepreneurs, slowing down is really hard for us. Like I'm raising my hand on that. But thinking about it as this is a money-making activity, this is a business growth activity because we have to slow down sometimes to actually see like, are the things that I'm doing right now getting me closer to my like bigger vision with the business? If it is, okay, what are those things I could keep doing? What are things I could let go of and release? What am I feeling intuitively pulled about in my business? And what can I do to make steps moving forward? So this is a perfect time to do that. Whether you like to journal or verbally process, you can just go for a walk and think about it, but really take the time to do it during that time of the month. And it's so cool because this happens every time that you get your period. So you have a monthly check-in that you're just like, I'm always gonna do this activity during this time of the month. So you're being more intentional about your business by doing it like that. That's the menstrual phase. And then we move to the follicular phase. And the follicular phase begins right after your period ends. So that day is going to fluctuate because some people's periods are three days, some people are seven days. But anyway, it starts as soon as your period ends. And then the follicular phase ends right before you ovulate. And that's also going to fluctuate because everybody ovulates on a different day. But your follicular phase is like spring when we're talking about seasons. And this is when your estrogen and your testosterone levels are slowly starting to increase to prepare for ovulation. So this is where your energy is going to also be increasing. And this is when you are really creative. The way that the hormones are affecting your brain, you are open to newness, brainstorming, creativity. This is the time to like get out your whiteboard, brainstorm all your ideas. This is a great time for you to create programs, to create graphics, to do anything that's creative and brainstorming wise. So, and I love doing things in my business like this because there's a time for every single piece of the business, which is amazing because sometimes you'll feel like, Oh, I don't really feel like being creative, creative and like you'll force yourself to do it. But obviously, and you could do anything at any time of the month, but you might as well do it when your body and your brain is more wired to doing it because you get to do it more efficiently and you're more productive because you're going to be able to do it so much more quickly. So that's the time that you want to brainstorm, be creative, do all that stuff in your business. And then 
Ovulation phase is when your estrogen and your testosterone levels are peaking, they're surging. And this is about three to five days long. The active ovulation is only one day, but it could span like the phase and the energy of it could span about three to five days. And this is when like summer. So your energy is super, super high. This is when you really want to be outward. So this is when it's a really good time to network, to go on podcasts, to speak, to sell. You are really magnetic during this time because internally the egg puts out a signal to attract the sperm to it. So you are in like an attraction mode. There's been studies that show that people who are ovulating because their estrogen levels are so high, they're naturally more beautiful and like glowing. So you're just more easily able to attract what you want into your life and you have the energy to do so. So really use this time to be magnetic and to have social outings, like go out to dinner with friends, network, podcasts, anything that you have to really be social and sell because you're also, because the estrogen is so high, you, the like negative beliefs that come in sometimes when you're doing things are like more at bay. So it's more easily, easier for you to, you know, be confident whatever you're doing. So like launching is a great time to do that during your ovulation period. Do you plan your launches around that? I was for a really long time, but my period has been a little off these last couple months because of traveling. Whenever I travel time zones, my period goes off and I got COVID. So it messed that up too. So this last launch, I didn't because I was planning it on there and then it wasn't happening, but I do. And I notice a huge difference, such a big difference when I do it. It's just, it's amazing. Okay, next is luteal. I'm like, what phase am I on? Next is luteal phase. This is the 10 to 14 days before your period. This is like autumn where things are starting to slow down again. So your hormones are still pretty high coming off of estrogen, but they are slowly going to be dipping right before you get your period is when they fully drop. And this is kind of where we're going to be going a little bit more inward towards the end of this phase because it is a long one. It's 10 to 14 days long. But this is where you really want to get shit done. Like you want to tie up loose ends. You want to do kind of back end tasks like organization, admin tasks, like whatever projects or new ideas or brainstorming things that you had in your follicular phase, this is where you want to tie it up and be like, okay, this is what I'm doing. I'm I'm doing my Amazon returns. I'm organizing my desktop. Like whatever you put off, that's what you kind of want to do in your luteal phase and just do more backend stuff because towards, as you get closer to your period, you're not going to want to be naturally as outward. Obviously, some people are more outgoing than others. So it obviously fluctuates. But in general, you're kind of going to notice that you tend to want to just not be as forward facing. So doing a lot more of the back end stuff is really supportive in that phase. Oh, I love this. I mean, I just love hearing you talk about this because I think too, it's also just really telling like when you're feeling a certain way, like you said, like it's still so hard to be creative right now or like, man, I am like getting stuff done off my to-do list today. Like it would be, it's interesting to like tie it towards like, where am I at in my cycle? Which after this baby, I am excited to like really implement just to kind of see what it feels like and, and really see what it's like. So I'm really excited to see what that, how that plays out for me too. Yeah. You just feel so much more aligned and like things make sense. And you're just like, you give yourself permission to do the things you actually feel like doing because you know that that's like what's best for you to do in that moment. I love that. Oh my gosh. You are such a wealth of information, Corinne. I mean, I know you want to speak on stage and stuff and I'm like, yes, yes, yes. Every, there's like so many topics on here. I'm like, I feel, see you on stage doing this because, and it's going to help so many people too. Like, like we said, we all need to like learn more about our bodies and to be more knowledgeable so that we can make the right choices for ourselves. So what resources do you have? I know people are probably like, oh my gosh, I need to work with her. I need more information. What sort of things can they work with you on so that they can help improve their hormones and just their overall? overall health and wellness. 
Yeah. So I have a podcast also. It's called Mind Your Hormones. You can find it anywhere you get podcasts. So much information over there. So I definitely direct you towards there. Um, you can go to my website, CorinneAngelicaWellness.com. I have some information about like courses and things like that that I have available. I'm most active on Instagram at CorinneAngelica. So if you have any questions about working together, things like that, I have a course, the Mind Your Hormones Method, that's really designed for people who maybe are on hormonal birth control and want to safely stop, or you have a regular period a painful period, you want help conceiving, like all the things, PCOS, whatever, have a course for that. So just reach out to me on Instagram at Angelica. I'll be happy to assist you or check out the website. And then I have some free resources also. If you go to the website, you'll be able to find them all under there. Amazing. I love you on Instagram too. I well, I also save a lot of yours and I'm like, I'm going to recreate this for myself because you have really great content, but also so educational. You have so much great information. So that's a great place to start too. All right, guys, thank you so much for joining us on this podcast. Make sure you rate and review it for a chance to win some fun What's for Dinner Club swag. I just ordered some new stickers. They're so cute. I'll have to send some to you. So, so fun stickers you can put on your water bottles and some other fun stuff I have too. And of course, remember to use code podcast to get a full month free from the What's for Dinner Club. Just go to whatsfordinnerclub.com and you can check it out there. Thank you, Corinne. Thank you for being here. Thank you so much for having me. 